When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Absock, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. A lot of great calls from you guys already in the hopper today. We're going to play in a bit, responding to some of the topics of the week. Don't forget, you can go back and listen to the full topics on the podcast version, uh, available on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, or right here on the app. Just click over to the episode section, and you can listen to everything that we've recorded. I believe we're up to 72 or 73 collected episodes, and the show's been around since March, and we're racing towards season eight, right? Well, it's a slow race, but forward momentum is momentum. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about how to decorate properly for Game of Thrones. I, I moved recently, and I have uh, I have uh, a lot of Game of Thrones stuff to display, but I've moved on from just simply collecting Funko Pops and putting those out there to try to, you know, go for something a little more higher quality on a budget, which is impossible. Go get some of those hot toys, those sideshow collectibles and... Well, it's like a car payment to try to get that stuff. What do you guys do to decorate? This is a fair question, right? How far do you go? Right now, I have my books on display. Got that throne. Got a good, nice uh, replica iron throne, which is uh, not quite a, a, a three and three quarter inch figure could fit on it, but not the big six inch, six inch figures. I got a little. I got a long claw letter opener. One of my most prized. Game of Thrones pieces of memorabilia is a long claw letter opener. But when you just take it out of the case and display it, it looks like a mini long claw sword. Then I even have I have a tinier version of a long claw sword. It has a little uh, a little holder, a little display, a uh, little sheath. It's great. I guess I just love displaying long claw, which is not even necessarily my favorite sword in Game of Thrones. That one for me is still ice, the big brutal ice that's uh, rest in peace ice no longer with us. Um, what do you guys do to display your stuff? How do you guys set up your rooms? I want to know. We've talked about memorabilia before here on Game of Thrones. We talked about season uh, seven Funko Pops. I didn't get any of them. I was a little underwhelmed by the Funko Pops this year, and maybe that Funko Pop craze, the, maybe the bubbles burst, and I don't know. I still love a lot of them. I might grab the Queen Cersei Funko Pop. I think I think that's needed, right? I think everyone needs Queen Cersei in their life, at least on display. Um, but what do you guys do? What do you guys do? How far do you go? And if you could, would you have a life-size Iron Throne on display in your living room? I mean, if you could... If you could afford it, if you could find one, or maybe if you could just make one, melting it down from the source of all your enemies, I think I would do that if I had the chance. What do you guys do? And don't forget to respond to some of the other questions we're asking here. We're talking about the, the parables of ice and fire, which is our caller, Sir Thomas Atal's title for this uh, book I, I, idea that, you know, I think Star Wars has a certain point of view coming out, which is 40 stories from 40 different uh, characters and authors. I, I would love to see something like that in Game of Thrones, and maybe this is a chance to get other authors involved in the Game of Thrones, since I'm sure George R. R. Martin doesn't have the time to sit down and write this book. But you guys have had some great suggestions so far. Uh, Kevin has uh, uh, Bernadette. Uh, we have uh, 
uh, other questions, uh, other other ones coming in as well. So I think uh, I think we're going to post some calls there. But if you have one, give it a call, give it in, give it the idea up here on Daily Thrones. Other things going on, and we're still trying to find out the Night King strategy and his end game, and how could you defend against the Night King? And would Howland Reed be part of that defense? And is Howland Reed key to Jon Snow accepting who he is? More of that and other questions and comments here on Daily Thrones, your voice and mine combined to make up the show. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. Okay, so for a fun behind-the-scenes point-of-view character, we need Danny Seamstress or Seamster or her tailor. Uh... Her ability to crank out costuming from in a foreign land that rapidly requires someone or a team of somebodies who understand the lay of the land, the local customs, and can grab the materials. That in and of itself, by itself, is probably what Mesende, to some degree Tyrion, and uh, a few others around would help assemble this team to make her presentable uh in uh, any land that she's conquered. And if you go through not just what we, we saw, you know, at um, Dragonstone, where she changed into her fabulous uh, winter attire, but every step of the way, as she's ruled, she's always managed to have the appropriate costume at the appropriate time. Uh... Kevin, with another excellent choice. First, it was Bernadette, Cersei's headmaid, and we'd love to see a story from her. But what about the team or the person? that makes the outfits for Daenerys. What's that process? It's become kind of a, a joke in the show, like danny has got a new outfit for fighting, she's got a new outfit for ruling. But it is great costume design, and that is just outside the story. That is just true. It is the production design of the show is great. The costume design is always on point. I think you could say the same for Cersei. I'd love to see those conversations of Cersei deciding, hey, here's what... Uh, Here's what my queen outfit is going to look like. So, on the same token, I'd love to see what went through Daenerys Targaryen's mind in making her outfits and commissioning these. And what stories could be told from someone who was there with the Mother of Dragons and the Breaker of Chains as she decided, you know what? I need to build something new. I need to make something new. I'm hitting the lands of Westeros. I need something Targaryen-flavored. I need to tap into my roots. It needs to be functional. It needs to be, uh, you know, built for cold weather. What's going to happen? You get a lot of uh, Danny's thought process if you could get into that mindset. So, yeah, those are the kind of stories we're looking for in these parables of ice and fire. What do you guys think? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Hey Ken, this is Brian. I got a quick question for you. Do you think when Jon Snow learns of his past and lineage that he will go with the name Aegon? Or if he's going to stick with the name Jon? And will everybody else call him Aegon? Or will his close friends still just call him Jon? Brian, with a simple and direct question, and one that I think is not just for the story, but for us as fans. Jon Snow, he's Aegon Targaryen. The 6th slash 7th, we'll figure that out later. I'm starting to think more and more he is the 7th. Um, but we're just so used to him being Jon Snow, both in the show and in the story. What will Jon himself do? I think that's a great question. This comes down to his identity. This comes down to what the stuff he was talking to Theon about. We've been talking about it here the last couple of days on the show. This is why someone like Howland Reed come in and assure him, hey, this is all real and good, and you yourself are still tar- Stark, just as you are Targaryen. John, I think, is going to be shaken. The ant stuff, Daenerys stuff, 
that's going to throw him for a loop. But I think he'll still identify as John. Maybe not John Snow, maybe not John Targaryen, but maybe Aegon Targaryen, for lack of a better phrase, is his show name. His, uh, if his official, if you show dogs, yes, I'm equating John to a dog, he's a wolf that's close enough. If you show dogs, they have official show names, full names, and then you give them a short little nickname, right? So maybe that's it. Maybe it's Aegon Targaryen VII, a.k.a. John. I think that'd be a I think that'd be good for us as fans. There's no way you're going to suddenly switch to calling him Aegon. Um, there's no way you're going to just... That, that's habit. That's seven years of habit. Now, Jon Snow is such a name in pop culture now. It's forever burned in the brains of many. So I think we're going to have a t- tough time. And I think everyone on this show is going to have a tough time calling him Aegon. And that could be funny at times. Da- Davos, I could see you have some fun with that. And I think it's going to be hard for Jon to accept that, which is why he might stick with John. What do you guys think? Which direction will he go? John or Aegon or both? Hey, Ken. Happy to be able to call back into Daily Thrones. I finally picked up a new cell phone after I shattered my last one. Um, I was reading an interview yesterday, and it said that George R. R. Martin was quoted as saying that there's a possibility that Volume 1 of Fire and Blood, the history of Targaryen kings, may release before the Winds of Winter. Now, I know that'll upset a lot of people, but it immediately made me curious and wondered, is there a chance that we could get a whole lot more backstory on Old Valyria through Volume 1 of Fire and Blood? Um, specifically, maybe how Valyrian steel is crafted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's endless um, mysticism and backstory to dive into there. So I'd love to know what you think and what the Daily Thrones audience thinks. Thanks for taking the call, Ken, and have a great day. This is a call from a couple days ago from Sir Thomas I wanted to post today. I think it's a, uh, a great uh, great discussion point here. The book, Fire and Blood, which is the history of the Targaryens, which is going to be fascinating. There's so much stuff there. Should be out soon, or at least before Season 8, which means it might beat Winds of Winter. And I wonder, with Thomas's thoughts here, I wonder if that's part of George's plan, that there could be some Easter eggs, some hidden lessons, some hidden messages in what we'll learn. I think we'll get a lot of the history of things like Valyria, the Doom of Valyria, for sure. I absolutely think that uh, is going to happen. But is there something going to be layered in there that we can take into Winds of Winter? Not necessarily Season 8 of the show. Uh, that, can, so th- that kind of knowledge can sometimes hurt you as a fan when you, you know too much and then the show goes in a different direction. But I think... Uh, uh, how to make Valyrian steel weapons, and and how to forge those swords, and and how to how to uh, you know how to survive the doom, and how to defeat dragons. All those kind of things could be in that book. It's going to be fascinating just on its own. But I think I absolutely absolutely will be uh, not necessarily bringing a figurative highlighter pen to my reading sessions to see if I can figure out anything that's going on. It'll be fun to comb through it. Learn some of the histories and see if it helps predict anything that's going on. That's Daily Thrones for the day. If you have any thoughts on that, let me know. We can post them tomorrow. Don't forget to react to the other topics we've discussed today. Favorite the station? You can find the episodes on here or in podcast form, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And share. Let your friends know about the show. This is where we are, as a team, discussing Game of Thrones and World of Ice and Fire as we race towards Season 8. We'll see you tomorrow.